Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. What does synesthesia have to do with point-and-click adventure games? Game over, man. Game over. Can a good old-fashioned fisting cure those hiccups? It's not delivery. It's disgusting. Do you ever worry the Tooth Fairy might attempt a home invasion? The answers to these questions plus sports, emotional weather, and state up. That's tonight on Person in Person. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Person in Person. I am the person known as Gene Person. I'm the person known as Greg Person. No relation. Person in Person is a news show for people who do not like news shows by people who do not like news shows. That's right. We're just two individuals choking on smoke and ash in the last days of the dying earth. I'd like to extend a heartfelt congratulations to Gavin Grimm for his decisive victory on the issue of using the men's room, the restroom of his gender, at school. I'm sorry you had to deal with this battle at such a young age, but every trans student who comes after you will appreciate what you have accomplished. Gavin, welcome to Dudes. Also, a big congrats to our pals over at the Brose podcast for their return to recording in person. A feat that person in person will likely never accomplish because we have no corporeal forms. Yes, um, I'm the singularity and uh, Gene is the demiurge. Listen, Tims, if you haven't listened to the Brose podcast, please do so. It's a hang podcast that is genuine, funny, and might I add, you can hear the original Tim there, our sister brother wife. Just some just some real sweet, chill dudes who we are married to, at least one of them, uh, which right. I think by the transitive property means we're married to all of them, which means we're married to all their listeners. Hey, let's uh, let's not let's got not go too far down this road. Let's get into tonight's story beats. All right, sounds good. Despite record-breaking temperatures and record-low moisture levels, I'd like to remind our listeners that firework stands are open throughout the state of Oregon, just in case you want to make tens of thousands of people homeless this Independence Day. You patriot, you. Australian woman Angie Yen developed an Irish brogue after having her tonsils removed and probably suffering some low-key brain damage. She still drinks the same amount, but now writes novels about how sad it is. (laughs) A new insider report indicates that during his entire four years as president, Donald Trump never once climbed the stairs to the second floor of the Oval Office, making him (laughs) an easy place for staffers to avoid the boss while allowing him to retain his very fine hippo with tiny hands who just learned to walk on his hind legs like physique. That's so fucking funny. A recent test of the product in Subway's tuna sandwich confirms that tuna DNA could not be found in any of the three samples they tested. So either it was so heavily processed that it destroyed the DNA or it was never tuna to begin with. Subway says there's no truth to the allegations But then they said the same thing about Jared Fogle. 
It's true. Subway, not super reliable on telling the truth in the past, historically. Allegedly. Allegedly. The uh, US FDA has added a warning about rare cases of heart inflammation on the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. One local resident, when stopped for interview while buying smokes and a four-pack of Monster Energy drinks from the Circle K, after having lunch at the McDonald's across the street, said this new and alarming information makes it less likely he'll get the vaccine. Different brands from Xbox to Chorus to Burger King are working to get advertisements into consumers' dreams by playing video and audio clips on their devices while they sleep. Joke's on you. All my dreams died years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough about the news. Let's move on to main news. Well, synesthesia is a... I don't even want to call it a condition. It's what happens when the stimulation of one sense causes simultaneous sensation in another sense. So, for example, a lot of people uh, perceive colors when looking at letters or numbers or feeling tactile sensations on your face or arms when you hear sounds. It used to be thought that this occurred in one in a million or even one in 10 million people because we don't talk about the way that we perceive things. Uh, but nowadays, um, it's we realize it's a lot more people. Uh, there was a recent large controlled study in Britain, and they found that one in 20 people reported synesthesia of the types that they were studying. And some researchers think that one in four is not a wild number. Um, it might even be that it's something that everybody does sometimes and some people do all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. There are actually over 80 different types of synesthesia that have been documented already. Uh, more to discover because we have way more than five senses and there's lots of ways to combine them. Uh, mm. Now, the reason I bring this up, I, I always think it's interesting. There are lots of ways that we're different from each other that would be really exciting to us if we knew about them. Basically, everyone you meet is an alien. It's just they don't know it and neither do you. So right. next time you meet someone new, you know, they're special. So you figure out what's special about them and you figure out what's special about you, you special person, you. All right. Well, what does that have with, have to do with the gaming movement of the 90s? Point and click adventure games, most often played in a first person perspective. These games were an interesting chapter in the history of gaming. And honestly, they were some of my favorite games of the era. The genre was largely launched with the hit games Seventh Guest and Myst, which had built on some of the puzzle elements of some other adventure games such as King King's Quest and Zork, to create something new in which the player is trying to use logic and problem solving to navigate a strange and in some cases scary world to resolve the story or escape. There were hundreds of titles at the peak of the, of the genre, with themes and names as diverse as any other genre. One that I really enjoyed was called Nine, The Last Resort, which had surreal elements and a little bit of an amusement park feel, even though it was set in, a in an abandoned mansion. You know, if it's got an amusement park feel, I'm, I'm going to flock to that. Of course, I loved the Mist games, too, where unique and beautiful landscapes became massive set pieces for observation, diligent note-taking, and exploration. There were some key elements you needed to look out for. For instance, 
if you were able to interact with something, that something was important. As you clicked around the screen, most of what you could see was just there for looking, but occasionally your cursor would change when over an object or clicking on an item would change something. It would move, something else would move, or you'd hear a sound. Anytime this happened, it was important to either the immediate puzzle or a future one. Uh, lack of direct interaction. While there were exceptions to this rule, Sanitarium is one example. In most point-and-click adventure games, you, you might encounter other characters, but you very rarely had the any opportunity to interact with them. Even if you did, it would be a limited or timed event. And story. Very few of these games took place on our reality of Earth. They were mostly designed to transport the player, as some of the best games are, in a kind of escape. The settings were super diverse, but I had some favorites. The Myst games in particular were brilliant in both the creation of the various worlds, called Ages, that you would visit and in the system that allowed you to do so. The genre is still around, though mostly in mobile gaming anymore. The really big blockbuster point-and-click titles started to taper off as we got into the early 2000s, but every once in a while, I'll dust off a game and see if I can get it to work. So, well, here's the first thing that jumps out at me. You okay. know how when you're playing a, a point-and-click game um, and you're not finding the clue, sometimes it'll sort of highlight it for you? Yeah, if you've got like some kind of easy mode turned on. like Most of the games didn't do that originally, but they started to include that feature, yeah. For, for people who were casuals and not elite gamers. Yeah, get good. <laughs> get good at Riven, you chump. <laughs> you noob. <laughs> Um, well, see, the, the thing is, is one of the ways uh, that they can test for color number synesthesia, which is one of the most common ones, because the number recognizing part of your brain and the color part of your brain are physically right next to each other. So it's huh. it's very easy and common for them to connect. Um, so 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 four is blue and and five is orange and eight is green. Right. Um, well, and what's interesting is, of course, they don't, they're not all the same colors for everybody, but there's broad commonalities in the colors, which is interesting. Huh. Like A tends to be, the letter A tends to be a dark red color for people who have letter color synesthesia. So why should that be? I don't know, but it's tantalizing, right? That's, yeah, I mean, well, there's, there's two basic kinds. There's like phenomenal synesthesia where you, you actually like see it. And then there's associative synesthesia where you don't necessarily see it all the time, but you know what it is. I mean, I might have multiple types of synesthesia because I I sometimes associate smells with feelings very strongly to where if I'm like smelling, uh, you know, like lilac, I will feel like cooling on my skin. Oh, see, yeah, that might be. Um, and if you do have some form of synesthesia, you're likely to, you're more likely anyway to have more than one. Hmm. Um, in fact, Interesting. Well, that's the reason that I brought it up. Um, because, and the thing is, you know, if you do have synesthesia, you might not know because you just assumed that everybody experienced things that way and you never really, it never really came up. Like, mm -hmm. um, I discovered that I have uh, synesthesia when I was in college. And I was trying to figure out what a blue smell was, and nobody knew what I was talking about. I, and I'm like, guys, I, bright blue, seriously. I, I think I, I, I'm getting a sense of what synesthesia is. I just didn't really know that was the name. 
I think that's actually brought up at one point in True Detective, one of our featured items from last week. Um, but I, I had kind of forgotten about it until recently. Anyway, this is interesting. I, I think there's also something to be said for in, you know, like the Mist games in particular. Something you're working with on one island in one age may affect something very different or completely across the island. And things are interconnected in ways that you can't always predict. But eventually, you start to see the path and the connections and it makes sense to you. Right. You sort of you sort of build up your own internal glossary of like, okay, this means this and that means that. Right. So that's that's very similar, I think, in a way. And it's um, well what I was thinking originally is the way that they will test a lot of times for color number synesthesia is they'll give you um, a whole page full of fives and then sprinkle a few twos in there in like tiny type. And hmm. it's, it's just like a colorblindness test at the optometrist. If you have color number synesthesia, you'll see the, the secret twos pop up at you. Hmm. So it kind of reminded me of that, that thing for, for me, a filthy casual who kind of hates puzzles. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, say what you got to say, video game. I love puzzles, but okay. Well, you you are a huge puzzle fan, and I like I like certain kinds of puzzles. I do love a crossword. I'm I'm not as good at you as you or as avid as you at crosswords, but I do enjoy a nice crossword. Love anagrams uh, from mm-hmm. my Scrabble days. Sure, Back sure. On the you know the pro Scrabble circuit, anagrams super useful to play around with if you're doing Scrabble or crosswords, really. Indeed, but um, not so much. Not so much spatial puzzles or like click on a thing and use the thing because how am I supposed to know I can click on the thing? Am I just supposed to click every square inch of this goddamn screen until something clicks? You want to know my two favorite anagrams? Yes. This is unrelated, but they were both featured on one broadcast of uh, HQ <laughs> trivia back when it was a thing. Um and uh, they, I, they were just both so beautiful. Uh, Britney Spears is an anagram for Presbyterian. Oh, that's wonderful. I like and, that. And Marissa Tomei is an anagram for It's a Me, Mario. <laughs> no, it's not. Fuck off. It absolutely <laughs> is. It absolutely oh, is. That is that like was the... That oh. was the final question on on a on the HQ trivia episode and I got it right because I, w- I was instantly able to see it's a me Mario in my brain as Marissa Tomei just because oh of crosswords. God. It's all crosswords. Oh, that feels so good. See, yeah. I'm having a sort of a synesthetic experience right now conceptually because that tastes just like the richest, sweetest caramel in my brain right now. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that's good. Well, so that's so a pretty maybe- big tangent. <laughs> Maybe the puzzle, though, maybe the puzzle is the human mind. The the fact that every person you meet is that mystery and you don't know how their shit's connected up at all. Right. But maybe it goes deeper than that. Maybe maybe really these games are just kind of one great metaphor for our experience because they all when you enter the world of mist you have limited tools at your disposal you're only able to go off what you see and experience and 
that's all any of us can really do. So whether or not you have synesthesia, you are going to be experiencing life with a limited set of tools. The more you can learn about them, the better. But if you happen to know how those tools interact, all the better. Well, no, I, th I think you're onto something there. I mean, all of our games, every game that we play is in some sense a, a rehearsal for life. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're practicing the experience of navigating the world in a consequence-free environment. There's, there is that sort of... Which is why I've never been caught committing Grand Theft Auto. It's true, because you know exactly what to do. You just run up there, you pull the old lady out, and you turn on the opera station, and you just go, man. <laughs> There's a really funny story about that game. When I, when I had mentioned at one point that I was playing that game, uh, someone in my life told me, but Jean, they kill cops in that game. And I told her, well, to be fair, they kill a lot of FBI agents in that game, too. Nice. And National Guard, if you want to really go ham. Yeah, yeah. Th that game oh. was great. God damn, I, yeah. gotta, I gotta play Grand Theft Auto again. That's all there is to that. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I was speaking specifically of Grand Theft Auto 5, but... Which is this beautiful, sprawling epic of a game. Um, all right. Do we have we tied these two together enough? You think? I mean, the world is a puzzle. People are a puzzle. Puzzles, I guess, is the is yeah. where, where we're going with that. I'm I'm happy with that because I feel like we've solved the puzzle. We and the answer is puzzles. We've solved <laughs> the first part of the puzzle, but since the answer was puzzles, there's additional puzzles in the answer that says puzzles. So well, you, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm good with like sort of a fractal answer to this. That's that's fine. Yeah, because there's always puzzles. Everyone yeah. you meet is a puzzle to unlock. Everything you do is a puzzle to unlock. Your fridge is a puzzle to unlock. Your microwave. I'm just naming things I see. Hey, hey Jerry, can you get me uh, Will Shorts on the line? <laughs> no. Okay. Well. Yeah, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have uh, a phone. He just communicates by pigeon with cryptograms. Right. Okay. <laughs> that I, I could actually picture that a little bit. I know. All right. Let's move on to breaking news. Hiccups, at least in infancy, serve a function. They train the brain to interact with the diaphragm, and may be instrumental in helping to establish breathing function. As you grow up, however, they're less useful. Let's be honest, hiccups are downright annoying. They aren't usually painful, but they're involuntary and uncomfortable, especially when you're trying to communicate. Are there cures for hiccups? No! Sure, you can pull your friends and many will have a suggestion, a spoonful of ketchup, a quick scare, a butt massage. All of this is anecdotal and likely the result of conflation of causation with correlation of events. The hiccups happened to subside when they were squeezing a goat's testes, and from here until the end of time, when the hiccups start, it's off to the goat pen. But one doctor, Ali Safi, had just about had it with the hiccups after they interrupted a speech he was trying to give. He invented a device to stop the spasms once and for all. Called the Forced Inspiratory Suction and Swallow Tool, FIST for short, the device is reported to actually work. 
It consists of a rigid plastic tube and mouthpiece, and using it involves sucking water through the tube. This stimulates the phrenic nerve, and the act of swallowing the water stimulates the vagus nerve, giving them input that interrupts and preempts the previously scheduled spasms. The doctor has patented the device and will begin marketing it under the name Hickaway, which is fine, but I kind of like fist. Well, let me ask you, what is the diameter of the fist? I don't know. I actually haven't seen the device. Let me, do you mind if I do a quick Google here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go ahead and Google the diameter of fist. Because I'm wondering, can I, oh, this is an acronym for too many things. Okay, here we go. This is from the Journal of the American Medical Association, which seems actually pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. Except it doesn't have a picture. And presumably you could fit the fist in your mouth. Could you fit it like anywhere or? I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's meant to be fit in places other than the mouth. But okay. then other things maybe weren't either. And we still find ways to derive something from them hell so, yeah because that's called grit it's right called being a hero right so you know buy yourself a fist explore it's a free country anything fits anywhere if you believe in yourself kids and fits is kind of an anagram of fist so yeah yeah fist fits yeah Ooh, that's that's good that's their tagline right there that's the slogan yeah what are you gonna say about hickaway though hickaway is it hickaway, that terrible root vegetable that they sell? No, that's jicama. Oh, yeah. Sucks. But uh, hickaway is an anagram for um, away chic. True. True. That's all I can come up with off the top of my head really quickly. But Yeah. I mean, we could probably come up with a few more. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm going to buy this product. I'm not even joking. I'll buy it as soon as he starts selling it because when I get the hiccups, they do hurt. Yeah. Well, and, and, and hiccups just generally suck. And I've certainly had ones that hurt before. Yeah. I mean, cause I don't know. You've, you've heard me sneeze. I'm sure of that. Yes. And you know, it's, it sounds like I'm trying to blow my own head off. It's, it's the same yes. thing when I hiccup, when I hiccup, it feels like I'm being punched in the stomach. So I'm, I'm ready to move on from that. I have such an incredibly loud dad sneeze. It, it, you know how a chew is typically the, the sound made when someone sneezes. For me, it's always just the atch part. And so when I sneeze, it's just like yatch. Mine sounds like ha, like that, except immeasurably louder. I don't want to blow out the recording, so I'm not going to do a sneeze. Interestingly, I think both of the sounds we make when we sneeze can be composed of the letters in Hickaway. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> wheels within wheels, folks. Puzzles is the theme of the whole episode. I guess so. All right. How about your uh, breaking news story? Well, sad news for me. A recent report confirms what everyone not in the Space Force already knows. There will never be Space Marines. Oh, Key obstacles to the deployment of Space Marines are the fact that there's nothing fucking up there, nothing for them to do once they get there, it's so expensive that it would be cheaper to fire the equivalent weight of gold bars into the sun, and all the people we want to kill already live on this planet. Now, we already know all these things, but we don't say them because it hurts, spiritually. Mm -hmm. Because 
Space Marines are an important part of American culture, from films to fiction to video games. I was fucking around with some Space Marines earlier today. I will probably fuck with Space Marines later tonight after we finish recording. Mm -hmm. Because we dream of traveling to new worlds, meeting exotic aliens, and annihilating them with our grit and futuristic weapons. We take that away and we're just planetary cops killing poor people with remote control robots. Now, it's particularly important to Americans because the American Empire can't sustain itself without an enemy, and there's no glamour in shooting missiles at doctors without borders. So we dream of an enemy beyond the stars, or else we just have to keep trying to make shit up about Russia and China. At least tell us that maybe there might be some communists on the moon that we could go shoot with lasers someday. Because if we stop believing in space marines, we might as well give up and declare peace. What does the world come to? Just, I'm saying, like, you can release all the reports you want saying that there will never be space marines. In my heart, there will always be space marines. You tell them how it is, Greg. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, it's sports. This week, another sport from Canada. Broomball is like hockey, but very different. You see, you play on ice, like in the sport of hockey, but the puck is replaced with a ball and the sticks are replaced with brooms. Oh yeah, and one other big difference. In hockey, you play on ice skates. In broomball, you play in street shoes. Now the ice is surfaced in such a way that you have a little more traction than if it were a regular ice rink. But it's still entirely possible that momentum puts you on your ass. In fact, it is likely. Broomball is otherwise very similar to hockey, so I really enjoyed watching some broomball action on YouTube. Nobody knows exactly how the sport started, but it's been around since at least 1909. While played around the world in locations with cooler climates, broomball is actually popular in Australia as well, though the United States and Canada remain the powerhouses of broomball. See, I love this because this goes along with what I was saying last week is that sports are at their best when they're primitive and kind of dumb. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and oh, go ahead. And playing hockey with a couple of brooms in your street shoes that I mean, it's it sounds like so much fun to me. It's clearly it's just some guys who really wanted to play hockey and didn't have any hockey shit. And we're just like, let's just go for it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that basketball ethos is what makes sports great. All right. Well, let's move on to the emotional weather. All right. Do you want to introduce the categories? Yeah. So this week's categories for emotional weather are damn it, Janet, and I love you. Absolutely. And this is for uh, my damn it weather. New research shows that people who curse are more honest, creative, socially adept, and manage physical and emotional distress better than non-swearers. So if you're not swearing... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking it up. All right. My damn it story. While camping this weekend, temperatures in the Pacific Northwest were downright disrespectful. But that's not why I'm saying damn it. I was fortunate enough to have borrowed a travel trailer from my father-in-law. While we were leaving the campground, the trailer came off the hitch somehow over a bump. I swear, I was not taking the bump at an excessive speed. And getting that thing on proved to be a little bit of a nightmare especially in the heat. Oh, and it all happened in a place where we were blocking entry to the campground and river access to a handful of people. We got it done, but I really could have done without that whole experience. It was embarrassing and frustrating and filled with no small amount of anxiety. So damn it. 
there is nothing worse than when you fucked yourself up in such a way that you're also blocking everyone's way. Right. So you're trying to figure your own stuff out and you're frustrated at that. And also at the same time, you're just filled with shame and self-loathing and wondering how many of those people think that you should be shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for my Janet weather, there were a few great Janets out there, but I feel like one that doesn't get enough love these days. Maybe the kids have forgotten the greatest Janet of all time. Janet Jackson. Oh, I love her. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking A, man. She's bright. She's sexy. She changed pop music so fundamentally. Mm -hmm. The entire terrain of contemporary culture would be vastly different and worse without Janet Jackson. And that whole Super Bowl thing really pissed me off because she was ridiculed and hated on by like half the country over that. But Justin Timberlake got out of that scot-free. So what the fuck is up with that? Yeah, but I mean, they can never they can never take away her greatest achievements. So, yeah, you know. That's true. That's true. My answer to the question, what have you done for me lately? A lot, Janet. A lot. Wait, no. If except if you're asking me, I haven't done anything for you. I'm saying you've done a lot for me. Right. Right. Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Mm-hmm. There are several Janets in the news right now, but I thought I would highlight a fictional Janet from a movie I love so much I used to watch it at bedtime every night. Jay Janet, Jay Jackal, Janet Colgate, the soap queen and the object of both Michael Caine's Lawrence Jameson and Steve Martin's Freddie Benson's affections. Played by Glenn Headley, Janet was smarter than both Lawrence and Freddie and just as much of a con artist. The movie, of course, was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and I love that movie. I love the performances, and I love Janet Colgate, who was absolutely one of the best parts of that film. That movie slaps, and I feel like it's one that people don't remember now, and it's a shame because it is fantastic. I'm not kidding. My brother and I used to watch it every night. That's excessive, but it is a great film. Well, you know, I, I, I sometimes do excessive things. Oh, me too, man. I Well, I've seen Big Trouble in Little China, I don't know how many times. Yeah. 300, 500, probably. All right. I love you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> For my I love you weather, there are a lot of different kinds of love in the world. The love of a parent for a child, the love of a man for a good, good dog who's even right now trying to kill pack rats, and the love of that same dog for little pieces of cheese. But there is no bond more powerful than the love of a podcaster for his co-host. <laughs> so I take this opportunity to salute my friend and brother wife, Jean Person. Much love. Oh, thanks, buddy. I'm not returning that favor, but I'll explain why. There's no way around it. June has been a difficult month for a lot of us, but for Gil Person especially. So I want to take a moment on this show to say that, though I joke around about polygamy and the like, there is nobody for me but Gil, who helps me get through every day, and who loves things about me that even I don't love. Gil is the best mother to my child and partner I could have ever hoped for or even imagined, I will love her forever, and I will continue to make her nachos just as long as she is in the mood for nachos, with hot sauce, the way she likes it. That sounds awesome. God, I wish someone would make me nachos. I make her nachos, uh, not every night, but a, a fair number of nights. Yeah. If you find somebody that loves you enough to make you nachos, just hang on to that love and don't let go. Well, as you know, 
Every week, our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime, and this week, Greg Person has the story. Now, last month, DiGiorno Pizza announced that they'd created a limited edition pizza donut called the DiGiorno. We're not going to talk about that. I didn't cover it at the time because it was obvious bait, and I'm too shrewd to be taken in by a trash pizza company. But I did want to call them out in general because they suck. DiGiorno is quite possibly the worst pizza available for purchase today. It's got a doughy crust, sugary sauce, flavorless toppings, just all around dog shit. Now, if you want a delicious oven-baked pizza at home, Papa Murphy's will sell you a top-quality pie for less than the price of this sub-gas station garbage. So how can any pizza as bad as the DiGiorno still sell as well as it does? In a word, Nestle, its parent company. Now, this is not the worst of their crimes. That's probably the one that kills all those babies in developing countries. But DiGiorno is still on the list. I'd rather split a Little Caesars with a rat. Wow. All right. I'm just saying, I I fucking hated DiGiorno. If you want to offer me DiGiorno, go somewhere else. Well, it else. certainly doesn't taste like like real pizza. It, it, it never has. It doesn't even taste as good as most... It, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like biscuits covered in yeah, spoiled. It's, it's biscuits with ketchup right. and like canned green beans. Yeah, that's on what it. it's like. It's it's the pizza from the Betty Crocker cookbook of 1955. Yeah, okay. All right, it's time for the podcast shopping network. This week's product, the backup. Okay, I'm gonna take a second and set the scene. It's late, too late. It's dark, too dark. You're getting a little sleepy, too sleepy, and something just opened your bedroom door. What do you do? Turn on the lights? Don't be crazy. People get electrocuted doing that. Ask who is there and risk laryngitis or lose the element of surprise. There's only one real solution. You reach down the side of your bed where the backup holds your long gun and you fire at whoever it was disturbing your slumber. The backup allows any bed to be a tactical one, weapons mounted and at the ready. It slips easily between the mattress and box spring and allows you the peace of mind of knowing even when you're absolutely unconscious, you're still only a split second away from blowing someone away. We have the right to bear arms, but what good are the arms going to do us if they aren't right there mounted to the side of your bed while you sleep? No good at all, that's what. The backup is conveniently able to be covered by sheets and mattresses when you make your bed as well, so that should prevent any errant children or pets from creating a dangerous situation with a deadly weapon resting at the perfect height for them to grab it or knock it loose. I mean, they do say in the fine print in the ad that the backup is not intended for homes with children, but that's just CYA, right? They fully intend to sell this product to anyone who wants it. The backup retails for $39.95, and frankly, they can have my gun when they pry it from my cool memory foam mattress. See, I feel like this is a product intended for people who have that kid who's always coming in because they had a bad dream or need a glass of water. What? You know, and you've got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm saying that's that's what it's for, right? Like that's the only 
That's the only actual application it can <laughs> no, I have. Think, I think that there's this suburban fantasy that, that people are going to break into your house while you're sleeping. I don't know. That doesn't happen very often, but apparently... No, it's... You don't want to break into someone's house while they're there. That's like breaking and entering 101. Right, but apparently there's this whole fantasy that that's going to happen to you and you need to be ready in case it happens. See, you scratch the surface of that shit and and it's like a, it's like a lottery ticket and you scratch off the little bit of aluminum on top and underneath instead of you win it always just says Turner Diaries. Right. Right. Like I know what these people are fantasizing about. You know, and best of luck to you. you we can't fix these people. Yeah. All right, let's move on to state up. This week's state featured Maine. One of Maine's principal industries is ground fishing, but it's never been very lucrative because that's not where fish live. The population of Maine is identical to the population of a Stephen King novel. Just pick one. It's the same. Maine's chief exports are blueberries and Stephen King novels, both of which keep you on the toilet way too long. Disappointingly, the state of Maine has very few lions. In Maine, most people prefer to be alive. But sometimes, sometimes dead is better. Maine, though afforded two Senate seats and two representatives, doesn't actually exist, making it the only state that was actually a ghost the whole time. (laughs) Our final segment tonight, as every week, is Person to Person in Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. Since we don't have any feedback this week, we've decided to add a new and super entertaining segment to person-to-person actual play board games. Yeah, folks, we know that actual play podcasts are all the rage right now, and uh, we wanted to do one, but the production values, you know, all the editing that has to go into an actual play podcast, it's really time-consuming, so it took us a long time, but uh, we finally got it now, so strap in and get ready to enter a world of magic and mirth and adventure as we play battleship so do you want to talk about your character so both of our characters obviously have a navy so my character is going to be a roughly uh, 2021 year old pirate king nice who has who is immortal and has seen all kinds of bullshit war through his life. Um, and his his name is unknown to us, but he goes by the name the Ademiral. I see what you're doing. I'm picking up what you're stepping in. So mine is, is kind of a steampunk battleship captain. Uh, he's like a sort of a Captain Nemo figure, mm-hmm. you know. He's Professor Ganymede Frotwood. <laughs> okay, great. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a level twelve uh, alchemist as well. I get. I don't know. So who wants to None who wants to sh- take the first shot here? Right. How do we do this? Um, go for it. I have an unbeatable system. I am going to kick your ass. I'm okay. Well, I'm fine it. with that because I have really no stake in this game. I mean. Yeah, that's true. There's not a lot on the line here. I mean, folks. the AD role has escaped so many battles before. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with D5. That's a miss, sir. 
Alright, and as for me... Okay. F2. That is a miss. Okay, so I'm going to go with E5. That is a miss. Okay. Do we want to play the whole game of Battleship? No, we're not going to play the whole game. We're just going to go to the just do We're going to go to the first hit. Let's see. J10. Right there in the corner. Miss. F5. That is a miss. I7. That is a miss. Fudge. G5. That is a miss. This is what you tuned in for, this riveting actual play podcast. <laughs> All right. A1. That is a miss. H5. You are certain that I've got something in that five row, but that is a miss. I'm going to say G3. G3 is a miss. D4. That is a miss. All right. Um, You know what? D4. D. Maybe you're trying to psych me out. D4 is a miss. D6. No, that's also a miss. I have now drawn a conceptual dick. Oh, (laughs) nice. Well, you're the winner then. That's it. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Okay. uh, C9. C9 is a miss. I gotta get you somewhere. I'm gonna go with D7. D7 is a miss. Okay. um, B8. B8 is a miss. Battleship does actually suck as a game. I'm going to go like in G3. Uh, G3 is a miss. I'm going to say E5. E5 is a miss. G7. G7 is a miss. I'm going to go with H4. H4 is a miss. G9. Nope, G9 is a miss. A6. A6 is a miss. I am going to go with H8. 
That is a miss. Hate is always a miss. Uh, true. True. True in battleship, true in life. Uh, I'm going to say A4. That is a miss. Let's do... We're going to have to end up cutting all of this. Let's do B4. (laughs) B4 is a miss. Uh, C5. C5 is a miss. Uh, C6. That's a miss. Uh, C8. C8 is a hit. All right, so we've achieved our first hit, and uh, we will resume this game next week unless we get some feedback from our listeners. Oh, this might actually be the thing that causes people to email (laughs) us and and be like, don't do this anymore. (laughs) Right. We're sorry that we ever enjoyed actual play podcast. You've ruined it as a genre for us, which is good. That was our intention. Folks, that's all the show we have for you tonight. Do you have any topics you'd like us to write a haiku about? Send them our way. We love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to us. Send us an email, personandpersonshow at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at AnchorPersons. Check out our website, personandpersonshow.com, where you can now leave us a voice message via SpeakPipe. The link is at the top of our widgets bar on the right-hand side of the site. It's free to leave us a message. No phone is required, just a computer with a mic. Your phone number won't appear. Um, You have complete anonymity. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear your voice. Until next time, this is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying a Dima roll. Good night. I realized, the moment I fell into the fissure, that the hiccups would not be destroyed as I had planned. It continued falling into that starry expanse of which I had only a fleeting glimpse. I have tried to speculate where it might have landed, but I must admit, however, such conjecture is futile. Still, the question of whose (gasps) hands might someday hold (gasps) my fist are unsettling to me. I know that my apprehensions (gasps) might never be allayed. And so, (sighs) I close, 
realizing that perhaps the ending has not yet been written.